All right, so I just had Carl Allen on the show, and wow, what an awesome show. If you want to talk about buying small businesses in today's age with all the opportunities presenting itself out there and going to present itself, this is a must listen. So Carl is a world-class entrepreneur, investor, and corporate deal maker who's worked on more than 330 transactions worth close to 48 billion. Yes, 48 billion. Um, nearly a 30-year career that he's analyzed thousands of big businesses and small businesses in 17 different countries. So we're not just talking, he's over in Manchester, England. So we're not just talking basically everything here just in the US. He'll be able to talk to you on all different levels, no matter where you reside. Uh, we talked on a lot today, really the, the type of uh, assets he's looking for, the spaces, the three spaces he's really diving into, the three types of businesses that are out there. And the number one reason businesses are no longer in existence. So on that fact, tune in here. It's going to be a ton for you to look at, a ton for you to dive into. Enjoy the show. All right, so we are here. Hey, Carl, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Thank you for being on the show all the way from Manchester, England. So you are my first person from, actually, my, my second inning of my first from Manchester. So I'm super excited to have you on the show. And what, what a dynamic topic we're going to focus on today, buying and selling of small businesses. And really, you, you said offline that right now is going to be the, the biggest buyer's pool or, or arena that, that potentially we've seen in, in 75 years. Yeah. Um, so... It, just before we dive into that, I want to know what, what really drew you to this because over 330 transactions worth close to $48 billion. I mean, there's some work there for sure. Yeah. I mean, there's some effort going on. There is. So actually, I've, I've been a deal maker for 28 years, uh, 28 years and two weeks. Uh, I started my deal making career way back in 1992. So I went to work for a Wall Street investment bank. So I was doing mergers and acquisitions for large corporates like GE, IBM, Microsoft, Boeing, etc. And then, so I did that for a number of years and then I ended up working in corporate mergers and acquisitions. So after my MBA and a little stint in, in private equity, I was uh, one of the guys at Hewlett Packard uh, buying up businesses. So I did that for a number of years. And then 2008, my life completely changed um, on the dime. I was in Moscow closing a deal and my wife went into labor four weeks early. So I had to get myself back to the UK at short notice. My little guy was born five minutes later uh, and I'm cradling him in my arms. And I decided I was gonna quit. I, I couldn't, I didn't wanna work for anybody else anymore. Um, so I retired. I retired at 37, lasted three weeks. Uh, <laughs> I decided I needed to get back in the game. I, I was financially free, but wanted something to stimulate me. So I decided to become a business broker, um, which is an agent for buying and selling small businesses. Instead of um, brokering a deal, I ended up acquiring the business I was hired to sell. I bought it myself. Um, using other people's money. And then that set me off on a journey, which I'm still doing today, of buying, growing, and then selling small businesses. So that I spent half of my time doing that. Um, I'm a partner in, a, in, in an investment firm in the US that does all that stuff. And then the other half of my time is I'm coaching, I'm coaching and mentoring uh, 5,500 people who want to do what I do, want to 
learn how to how to find and buy businesses using other people's money, how to then grow them and sell them. So that's uh, those are my two jobs. Yeah, I love that. How do you work with so many people? Five thousand five hundred. That's a lot of people to be able to to, to talk to or, or to get the message across. What what are some tactics that you use to really just bring your message truly to them? Yeah, so we have a whole portfolio of different training programs. So we, you know, we, we have an entry level program called the Dealmaker CEO, which is a kind of do it yourself online training system where you follow along. It's got all the tools and the techniques and the, and the templates and things that you need. And uh, most of our students go through that and, uh, and do deals. And then we have higher level programs. Uh, we have like our Dealmakers Academy where we're, we're group coaching them on a week-to-week -week basis and then we also have a, a partner program where uh, our very best students once they've done deals uh, we partner with them and we'll we'll close uh, subsequent deals you know with them and, and, and own those businesses together so uh, lots of different ways that we can uh, we can touch and energize um, our, our basic students but um, yeah it's really really interesting um, it's uh, it's a lot of fun yeah, so doing that, what is the keys to, to identifying value? Whether it's being, so on the buying side, do you deal in just specific spaces? Or do you, it's just, I find the opportunity and no matter what space it's in, and I look at the opportunity, not so much the space. Yeah, so um, so the, the, the golden rule for somebody that wants to buy a business is especially for your first deal is really stay in your lane so buy a business in a sector that you know that you understand that you can add value to the business once you've acquired it and you've probably got a network that you can plug in to that business as well so for example if you're a web designer say um, and you're working for somebody else then go buy a web design firm or go buy an IT services company you know, don't go buy a 7-eleven or a gas station or a laundromat or a hotel or, or an engineering business. Buy something that you're passionate about, that you understand, because then it's a lot easier to build a relationship with a seller. It's a lot easier to raise financing, to buy a business like that, if you've got the chops, if you've got the knowledge and the know-how from that industry. And, and if you're really passionate about an industry, uh, but you don't have any skills inside of it, then just go partner with somebody. So one of my students, he's really into wine. Uh, he's a wine connoisseur, and his dream was to always own a vineyard. You know, he's a sales guy for IBM, so he knows nothing about the wine industry. He, he knows technology and selling. Um, and I said to him, you know, dude, I, I really admire your passion for the wine industry, but you're crazy if you think you can buy a wine business and, and operate it as successfully as the person that's selling it. Just go and find somebody that knows how to do that. You you do the deal, you work on the strategy, let that person run for you and then just own it together. Uh, and that's what he's doing. So I think golden rule number one is, is really just stay in your lane. Um, once you've done a bunch of deals like me, then you can buy in pretty much any sector. The, the only sectors I tend to avoid, uh, I don't like B2C businesses. So I, I don't like businesses that um, where consumers are the customer. I like deals that are business to business because they're a lot easier to finance and they're a lot easier to scale and also they're a lot easier to sell. And I, I don't like Amazon businesses. Like there's a lot, uh, there's a lot of people out there actually that, that coach how to buy and sell Amazon businesses. Yeah, I see it everywhere. Uh, yeah. Nothing against Amazon businesses. You know, I, I 
trade with lots of them to buy stuff, especially right now when, when the shops were closed, the retail was closed. But for me, the big challenge with an Amazon business is you don't necessarily own the customer. So Amazon owns the customer. It's hard to do remarketing. And you get one bad review or um, Amazon decides to directly into your space, you know, your business is finished. So I tend to stay away from, uh, from those types of businesses, but pretty much anything else, you know, I'm game for. So technology, engineering, construction, manufacturing, retail, um, you know, B2B, uh, definitely into those types of businesses. You know, transportation, you know, what a what an industry to be in right now with all the yeah. all the surge of products and services moving around through um, through the lockdowns. It's it's crazy. So um, yeah, there's there's tons of deals out there. There's there's over two point four million businesses for sale right now. In, in the United States, just in the US, million. yeah, yeah, and only one in eleven uh, will sell in the next uh, twelve months, and, and two reasons for that. Number one, um, there's a big lack of buyers that really know how to do deals, and secondly, have access to the financing um, to be able to, to close a deal because. A lot of people think wrongly that, you know, if you want to buy a business that's worth a million dollars, you've actually got to go and cut a $1 million check. You, know, you don't. You can buy that business in some cases without spending anything of your own. You can use other people's money. You can use the seller's money. You can finance the business. You can use the cash in the business. You can get Who's typically financing these businesses? So there's, there's three ways to finance a deal. Uh, the first way is you just pay the seller over time it's called seller financing so it's like the lease to buy model um so let's say you find a business uh, it's worth a million dollars it's generating three four hundred thousand dollars a year of cash flow and the seller just wants to leave uh they're sick they're bored they're frustrated you know they're, they're done they want to retire um just buy their business and just pay them over time use the cash flow that the business generates uh, some of that you take for yourself, some of that you use to pay back the seller. Um, that doesn't happen that often. I would say only one in 10 times you can do that. Um, what's more common is you split the purchase up between a closing payment, so what you give the seller the day you take over the business, and then you pay another chunk of that over time, whether it's monthly, quarterly, annually, or however long you, uh, you negotiate. And then that closing payment, um, that can come from, you can go to the SBA. So the SBA 7A loan program will give you up to 90% of the purchase price of a business. And you can pay that mm. back over 10 to 15 years. So that's a good source. Um, you can use traditional asset-based financing. So you can finance things like real estate. You can finance plant and equipment. You can finance receivables. You can even finance inventory. You offer all that up to a bank, um, like a JP Morgan or a Chase or even a Live Oak, and they will pledge you a sum of money to allow you to buy the business. They take the assets to security and then you just pay that money back over time. Um, or in some cases, you might need to go and raise um, like micro private equity. So you go and find a partner that will put cash into the deal and as a result, they want to take a minority stake, a minority percentage of the ownership. And, and sometimes entrepreneurs think, well, I don't want that. You know, I don't want to share the ownership of my business, which is crazy because 
Um, let's say you did that and you give away 20% of the company. It's better to own 80% of a business than 100% of nothing. But then also that investor, that partner that you bring into your deal, they potentially can add massive value to the business once you've bought it. They might have a network they can plug in for business development. They might have a skill set that is missing inside of your business. Your business might not be large enough to have, say, a CFO and your um, your angel investor that gives you the money could have been a vice president at Goldman Sachs and knows everything about financing and can kind of be your your quasi part-time CFO and really add tremendous value to the business that you buy. So, um, so the, the, the whole key to this is creativity. You know, there's there's a million and one ways to finance deals and structure deals. Um, what's even more important though is your ability to go out and build relationships. So it's building relationships with sellers, and it's what I call the no like and trust formula. It's the same in direct response marketing. Um, for people to do business with you, they need to get to know you, they need to get to like you, and they need to get to trust you. And it's the same in deal making. Uh, the more time and effort you put into building those relationships, uh, the easier it is to close deals. It's as simple as that. Hellringer Events is the premier wedding and event planning company in Central Kentucky and beyond. They offer comprehensive design, planning, and execution packages, deliver delightfully detailed celebrations that will leave your guests talking for years to come. Signature weddings, stylish events, let Hellringer Events design a celebration that is uniquely you. Don't take my word for it. Go over to their Instagram page. Just watch what they have there. It's at Hellringer Events, and Hellringer is H-E-L-E-R-I-N-G-E-R Events. And you can also find them at www.hellringerevents.com. Yeah, and so looking at just all the opportunities that have surfaced um, in a weird way, right? Because right now, the rug has been pulled out from people that potentially were just doing everything fine with their business and they're not going to sustain moving forward. So how has your philosophy for, if, if it has, um, changed with, with coronavirus and how are you looking at opportunities? I was, I was interested to hear you say or mention retail is one of the spaces you're looking at um, today with, with what's happening there. But how are you identifying opportunities today? And, and I, I guess the back of question or follow-up question is, what is the, the proper process one should look at to value a business? Yeah, so, so valuing a business is, is uh, it, it's one of the oldest questions in this industry. So, so valuation really comes down to the tipping point between what somebody's prepared to pay to buy a business versus what the sellers prefer to take to sell it. In, in, in the stock market, it's really easy because the market sets that price. If you, if you wanted to buy Amazon right now, um, it's gonna cost you a little over $1.5 trillion. You know, every business is for sale. It's just yep. a question of how much. In, in our sector, so we're really focusing on deals with revenues between say one and 10 million US dollars. So that's kind of our sweet spot. That's where we're focusing. And Guys, when so you're top line, top line revenues, one to 10 million. Top line revenues, we're really looking at deals in, in the one to $10 million revenue range. And we're looking at deals with, you know, between a 10 and 20% kind of profit margin. We don't buy businesses that aren't making money. Um, and we don't want to buy businesses that are truly world-class because they're gonna they're gonna command a lot of attention, premium prices, and you know we, we, we don't 
we don't bother with those. So we're, we're looking for good businesses. We're not looking for great businesses and we're not looking for um, damaged businesses. We're looking for good businesses. We can make great businesses. And what's more important than valuation in those types of deals, it's a lot more focused on psychology. And, and one of the big drivers of the, of the selling process, one of the big drivers of the number of sellers right now is baby boomers. So there's 10,000 baby boomers retiring every single day in the United States, according to the Wall Street Journal. And 19% of them own small businesses. So you've got 1,900 businesses every single day, every day, 365 days a year coming to market. So you've got all these businesses and a lot of these sellers, they've been in their businesses 20, 30, sometimes even 40 years. They've spent more time in their businesses than they have with their own family. So they really care about who takes the business on. And sometimes they don't want a competitor to kind of gobble them up and destroy what is a phenomenal legacy that they built. Their brand, their culture, their legacy, the safeguarding of their employees. That's really important to a lot of sellers. So they would happily do a deal with an individual who they would see as a safe, trusted pair of hands that knows the industry, can add a lot of value to it, and can really protect and cherish the business that they built and, and take it to a whole different level. And when you find that type of seller, then deal structure becomes a lot more important than valuation. Um, you know, sellers always think their businesses are worth a lot more than they are. You know, mummers, mummers, all mummers love their babies, right? Um, as ugly or as beautiful as they are. So, so sometimes you you can give the seller the price he or she wants for the business. You just structure it in a certain way. So you can just pay for the business over a long period of time. You can include things called earnouts, which are like bonus payments that gets triggered if and when a business hits. Uh, you know, really outstanding financial performance. Um, but like how salespeople work in, in, in organizations. So there's always ways to kind of bridge the valuation gap by being really creative in terms of a, of a deal structure. And, and what we're trying to do all in all the times is really kind of balance that risk. Um, you know, we want to put as much risk back onto the seller as possible and have as much of the deal as we can kind of in those, those future uh, time payments. Back to COVID, which is where you, you kind of started the question. Uh, we're in a really interesting kind of time right now. And, and what, what's really awesome is outside of, you know, the hospitality industry per se, and, you know, a lot of kind of retail, um, most businesses that I either own or I have access to or I've seen in the market, have not only survived, a lot of them have really thrived through through COVID. And, you know, we, we've seen a lot of changes over the last five months, a lot of changes in, in consumer behavior. Um, like a lot more stuff's gravitated now to, to moving online. Uh, I've seen a lot of businesses, you know, pivot in phenomenal ways into, uh, you know, different emerging sectors. So I'll give you an example. Um, really good friend of mine owns a manufacturing company. And he, um, he manufactures, uh, or he did, he manufactured components for performance uh, motorbikes. So 
his clients were, you know, BMW, Harley Davidson, Honda. And he calls me about a week after that. So we got locked down in the UK towards the end of March. So he calls me a week later and he's like, dude, what do I do? All, you know, my three biggest clients have just called me and said, hey, we're not gonna be placing any orders for the next six months. Um, you know, we're not gonna be building any more motorbikes. And he's like, you know, what do I do? I've got his employees, I've got to pay my rent, I've got to do all this stuff. Yeah. And, and, and I said to him, how quickly, how quickly, Brian, can you retool your factory to make medical components? He said, well, 24 hours, because it's the same equipment, I've just got to change the settings. I said, we'll do that. I said, because one of the biggest growth markets we're going to see in the next 12 to 18 months is, is medical devices. You know, there's all this news on the media that um, you know countries running out of ventilators and all these different things. So he he pivoted. Um, he's now generating four x the revenue making wow. parts for ventilators than he was making parts for motorbikes. And it was a nice state for that one. Yeah, he's got and now he's got five ten year contracts to make these things. And now Honda called him last week and said, "Hey, dude." Uh, we're back on. We want to make some components. He's like, nah, nah, not, not, not in that business anymore. I'm killing it. I'm killing it making ventilator parts. So, and I, I've seen the same thing. You know, I, I own friends that are in in retail, um, and have pivoted from selling in a store to converting their store into a fulfillment center and going online and killing it, making two to three x their revenues. And when stores were allowed to open uh, about a month ago, they said, you know, wh why, why would we? We don't have the space mm. now. Our entire store's just a, a warehouse. Um, wow. You know, we're, we're, we're really kind of busy fulfilling all the online orders. So I think yeah. we've seen all this changing in consumer behavior and all these different kind of demands on business and all these different business models that are emerging. And what I'm seeing in the market is kind of three types of seller or three types of business. Businesses that have pivoted and are now really killing it and doing something really, really new, like the retailers selling online, all the- I'll give you one example is uh, we had Greg Shea, a friend of mine on the show. He has Pens of America, which is their family company. It's been over a hundred year company making, making basically pens um, and they transitioned to making masks. And now they're able to bring all their employees back and everything else because nobody was ordering promotional pens right now. Um, and they're right down the street in transition and, and doing great. So yeah, right right in that line. Yeah, it's crazy. Like even Burberry, which is one of the premier um, UK designer clothing brands, um, they've switched their business model into making PPE. So they're making gowns for um, the, the health service. Um, so you, you, you've got you know one camp of businesses that are pivoted and are thriving because they picked up on trends into how the world has really changed over the last few months. Then you've kind of got the middle ground of businesses that uh, they're just the staple businesses. So whether it's transportation or whether it's people that were online generally or, or restaurants that always did, um, you know, kind of delivery service and so on. Uh, those businesses that whether you're in a pandemic or you're not are still gonna do the same as what they were. But then what you've got is you've got a third camp of, of business that um, hasn't really suffered that much through the pandemic, but it's what we, I don't know if you use this 
uh, phrase in the US, but it's what we call the straw that broke the camel's back. So mm, these yeah. are business owners that went through the aftermath of 9-11. They went through the aftermath of the global financial crisis. They've been through countless other recessions and have been through loads of other challenges in business and in life. And this is like, you know what, I am done. I just, mm. I, I just want to sell my business now. I want to retire. I have a good business. I've made some money. Let somebody else figure all this stuff. I don't want to pivot. I don't want to think outside yeah. the box. Uh, I want to let somebody else do it. So, and and there's there's millions of these businesses. And and, and what's interesting is it's simple economics of supply and demand. You've got the same number of buyers out there. But now you've got an exponential growing list of sellers. So all it's doing is it's it's driving down valuations. You know, the, the average small business in the US sells for less than three times free cash flow. It's about 2.6 times. Um, and that's gonna come down even more. Um, and, and if you think about it, if you look at the seller, if they can't find a buy for their business, then what other options have they got? If they are, they've either got to stay yeah. in there and, and keep running it, which if they're looking to retire or they're burnt out, frustrated, sick, ill, even dying in some cases, sadly, you know, what other options have they got? And, and do you know what the number one exit strategy is mm. for most small businesses in the US? Do you know what it is? Close down. Close down. Close yeah. the door, turn off the lights. 595,000, I think, just under 600,000 businesses last year in 2019 closed the doors because they couldn't find anybody to buy their business. Um, whereas if you'd have walked up to that business owner and said, look, you've got a business, you want a million dollars for it, that's fine. It's generating $400,000 of cash flow. I'll pay you $200,000 a year for the next five years. So I'll buy the business, I'll take 200 a year, you take 200 a year. Uh, it means you still get paid, but you don't have to go into the business anymore. They'd have snapped your hands off. But people, yeah. they don't know how to do that. And this is one of the reasons why I'm so active in, in coaching and mentoring students to be able to do this, to give them the confidence, the mindset, the skills and the tools, and, and really the kind of the art and science around you know how to find businesses to buy how to structure deals how to build relationships how to raise the financing to close them and then how to how to hire a cpa and a lawyer to actually take care of all the paperwork and, and physically close the deal for you so that that's really my mission that that's what i'm mm. trying to do in this world so if there was one space that you're you're most bullish about today, and then uh, I want to be respectful of your time here, we'll, we'll, we'll let you go here. But if there's one space um, that you could give some insight to someone who's just saying, you know, there's so much noise out there. Your 600,000 businesses last year just closed, and it's probably going to be massively accelerated this year, I would assume, right, when we come in there. Is there, is there one space that you that would be a B2B business that you're fully engaged watching opportunities in? Yeah, so for, for me, it would have to be the, the transportation and logistics sector. You know, that that for, that for me is an industry. Uh, I, I, I've owned businesses in that space. I wish I still did. I sold them. Um, those All those businesses, whether they're good or bad or indifferent, uh, are thriving right now. Those are great businesses, you know, to own because, as I mentioned earlier, I think we're, we've seen a phenomenal shift in the past five months 
about people's buying behavior. You know, why, why, this is why Amazon's market cap doubled in the last 12 months. Um, you know, it's now driving $34 billion a year in earnings. Uh, it's crazy. Everyone's pivoting to online, even though the stores are open now, uh, we're just, we're just used to buying things online, you know, um, you know, I heard I Bezos, Bezos uh, net worth went up $13 billion uh, just yesterday, highest on the record. Yeah. I know it, it, it's crazy, isn't it? And and it, it's like like Amazon, for example. Like I I now would I will never go to a clothes store to buy clothes. Um, I I can go on Amazon wardrobe. Um, if if there's a shirt I like or a pair of shoes, I can order it in three different sizes. Um, it arrives latest the next day. Um, I try them on and I send back the ones I don't want. It's it's amazing. You know, there's so much convenience and flexibility now with uh, with how we buy stuff. Um, and I think the transportation industry, whether it's the hauliers or the people that do the last mile, um, that that's a killer sector. I think engineering as well. Um, you know, people that um, can, can pivot into, into these new emerging medical supply chains um, is, is, is another really awesome sector that I'm looking at. And then the third sector that really excites me right now is the whole online education space. Because again, yeah. um, like even Harvard Business School have said, you know, it's everything's gonna go virtual. So why, right. why would you spend why would you spend two hundred grand on an MBA from Harvard when you can buy a la carte training and other online education services. So, you know, and that in and of itself is a $180 billion industry. So so those are my three kind of killer sectors that um, that I'm looking for deals. Yeah, that's amazing. And online education, yeah, ourself, we three little kids, I have no idea when they're going back, right? So, and, and at that point, you know, are we gonna be the first ones to just put them back in there if there's not certainty, right? So looking at that platform has been highly dynamic, just understanding for sure. Um, Carl, this has been, Truly interesting. Thank you so much for your time. I, I really appreciate it. For everyone here, um, we have dealmakerwealthsociety.com. Um, is there anywhere else they should be uh, checking you out here that you uh, suggest that you can find? It's Dealmaker Wealth Society, Dealmaker Wealth on all social platforms as well. Anywhere yeah, else? You we, should... Yeah, we've actually got some free training as well. So for people awesome. that for people that have uh, are curious about buying businesses, how does it work? What are the steps involved? We've put together some free training. If they go to trainwithcarl.com, they can uh, they can access that free training, um, go through it, and then um, if that's a real interest to people and they think, yeah, I I, I can do this, I, I've I've got some ideas on businesses I would buy, then um, we have a whole range of different coaching programs uh, that people can um, can subscribe to depending on their level of interest and their budget. But I, I think for everybody, you know, start with the free training and see whether this is something that, um, you know, that, that you'd like to do. Yeah, I love it. Carl, thank you so much. Super appreciate your time. Absolutely incredible stuff. Thank you. All right. So everyone listening, thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in here. I got a ton of value out of this. I'm sure you did too. Check out Car uh, Carl's training. Check out what he's doing because 330 transactions, 48 billion. He, he's been doing something and you can learn a lot from just following the steps here and just learning from others that are doing it on such a high level. Appreciate your time. Bye now. Join us for your second cup of coffee every Monday through Friday at noon. Live every day bringing us our best content we've done so far. Super excited, super engaging. 
bunch of great guests. We're here to answer your questions and we so appreciate you listening. Make sure to check this out. Can't wait to see you.